Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. Now, it is that time of year. I'm joined by Jack Howard. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks so for having me. We are doing our, our lists of the... So it's kind of complicated to explain... <laughs> 10 best and worst films of 2021 so to clarify you do 5 I do 5 that's 10 okay yep and we just check your maths on that films of <laughs> thank you films Such of 2021 listen I got O level maths alright <laughs> okay I didn't even do O levels mate so like that's not a thing anymore GCSEs yeah okay well I got O level maths alright I got a C doesn't mean thank anything. you very much you know you, I, I struggled to get a C like, like when I when I got a C in GCSE maths and I realised I didn't have to do it anymore and I worked I had a tutor I was so bad at maths when I got a C <laughs> for maths I jumped for joy genuinely I've never done that before in my life and I properly leapt off the floor to be like I got a C I don't have to do maths anymore <laughs> it was it was quite a moment okay. I did my maths O level in the fourth form you know you you meant to do O levels in the fifth form right oh you you, you no, he, you're he, talking stuff that I don't okay. this, no, I don't didn't oh, do this I don't know whatever you call it right <laughs> so, so there's the year that you do your O levels right yeah and then there's the year before you do your O levels and if, if some schools what they'll do is they'll try and make you do some of them earlier if you're in a moderate you know mm-hmm. success range that you might get it out of the way but then what they make you do is they make you do advanced maths so I got my maths O level a year early, I got a C, which was astonishing, right? Astonishing because I'm numerically challenged. As a Same. result of getting a C, I had a year in which rather than just allowing me to not do maths, which any sensible person would have done, they said, oh, well, now you have to do advanced maths. You go, look, I've got a C <laughs> at O-level maths. I'm done. <laughs> I'm through. I struggle when films are uh, written, the, ty- the, the length of a movie is written in minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that trips me up yeah, What, it's 124 hours long? Hang on, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. 184 yeah. minutes. What, how, I how, have to have a moment to think about no, it. I know, every time. Anyway, yeah. so I got into my advanced maths O-level, and um, and I, you know, I, who who knows what any of this stuff is? And uh, the first question was, expand this equation. Okay, expand this equation. So what I did was I asked for a stapler, and they brought a stapler. I stapled, no, you didn't. I did. No, you didn't. I stapled all the pieces of paper together. I wrote the equation out in really big letters, and I handed it in and left. That. And I got a U, which is an unclassified. Yes. And I was yeah. very, very Are you proud, proud of, of that? that. Yeah, because yeah. I got my maths O level. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that is. That's punk rock. It's punk rock. <laughs> so we are doing 10 best, 10 worst, ten best, five each. Five each. Okay, so on the last podcast, we got my, your and my number five 
best, your and my number four best, and my number three best. Then we interrupt you because we were going to do it all in one podcast, but we just went, as, as you, you can, can hear. see. <laughs> we ramble on a bit. Okay. And then we said, well, the next podcast, we're going to do three to we're not what we're going to do is we're going to do we've changed it yeah we're going to it's our podcast we make the rules it was actually nick's podcast well yeah nick's mick, the producer yeah nick, nick nick gave us the idea the, the task but we just take the credit it's, yeah okay so we're going to do the number five to number three of the worst films of the yes. year which actually i think both of us have found harder to do yeah i have as well and, and i'll say i think i'll start on this one because i'm going to start okay. with something controversial okay but something i'd like to talk about just because i found myself very disappointed by this okay. and i think you're going to be shocked and i think people who are listening to this might be a bit shocked as okay. well my fifth yeah. and i don't think this is a bad film by any okay. account but i was just personally disappointed by it and i wanted to talk to you about this yeah Last Night in Soho. Ooh! Ooh! See? I knew that was going to happen. Ooh! Yeah. Savage burn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay, let's let that... This is in a year in. in which there are so many turkeys. There are. There are. But I, I, there are. All right, okay, and, Jack. And... Jack, I'm just going to give you the floor. So we all know what Last Night in Soho is about. Um... It's about a girl. Do we? Do we? Well, do we? Yeah, well, it's about a, a girl who is dreaming of being a fashion designer. She moves uh, to London to go to university there, um, moves in um, with an older lady. And when in that house, she starts to experience what feel like flashback, almost um, time traveling kind of experiences where she reverts back to the 60s. And she yeah. herself deals with a lot of nostalgia. She looks back in a really, really like you know back in those days things were better and through this time traveling kind of experience and through the lens of um anya taylor joy's character she gets to experience that maybe things weren't always as uh, as as nice as they as maybe they seem to her now we've got the kind of premise stuff out of the way i'm sure everyone listening to this has heard has seen last night in soho and and i know it's had some like mixed reviews anyway um but i i just i'm starting to I don't think Edgar Wright's going to listen to this podcast, but I am. I am kind of like. If if, if you are Edgar, <laughs> I just like to say this is Jack saying this and not <laughs> no, me. No, because this is the thing. Edgar Wright is a hero of mine, and I can't deny the fact that me and my entire generation of filmmakers massively inspired by Edgar Wright. The amount of times in school and university when people were making student films and they were doing the whip pans and they were doing all the transitions that he does, like he basically just. I mean, I can see myself in the things that I make. His style is influenced in it in ways that I can't even like link to it's like it's like oh it's just in my DNA of a, of as a filmmaker now because Edgar Wright does it the stuff and the, the the really like the emphasis on sound design like his aesthetic and his way of like parodying Hollywood movies in a very British way and making them not feel like parodies like all that sort of stuff and I think this and actually Baby Driver in a way as well is him trying to get away from that a lot more and I guess the first point I want to make about Last Night in Soho is it feels a little bit like Edgar is a bit embarrassed of his own style because there's not a lot of that whip whoop, 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 stuff in there. But the best example I can give you for that is there's a moment in a pub, which is a very Edgar Wright setting anyway, yeah. where somebody is pouring a beer and instead of doing the Edgar Wright editing thing where it goes where a pint gets slid yeah. across, you know, he just shows someone pouring the pint and I'm like, that's that to me is a microcosm for this whole thing it's like but edgar why are you showing pouring the pint at all then if you're not doing it with a bit of fun and style and 
for me the the best moment in it is the first time she travels back to the 60s and there's that beautiful shot with like you know the thunderball theater and it's the bit when she goes down into the where, the where the dance is happening and that amazing sequence happens where they're swapping out the actresses it feels like that's the stuff that keeps edgar wright up at night is how am i going to execute these beautiful sequences and he does execute them brilliantly but then there's like some surrounding stuff in it first of all thematically i don't know why he wants to tell this story i don't think it's I don't want to be one of these gatekeeping people, but I just don't really know if it's his story to tell. And I get that it's really about nostalgia and stuff like that, but there's a lot of like dark, like female specific stuff in it that I just don't... And Edgar Wright, and I mean, tell me if you disagree on this, but I think Edgar Wright at the best of times has struggled to really like make his female characters an integral part of his stories in the past a lot of the time I feel like they're they're kind of the weaker parts of, of some of his films and it in this I, d- I didn't get why he wanted to, to do it and I also kind of struggled from the start that like when she goes to university one of the first things that she interacts with is a a fellow female student who is just irredeemably a bitch <laughs> like she's just an awful person through and through in a sort of um high school movie way and that kind of was weird and then the movie gets darker and weirder about those themes and 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 if i come away from that a little bit up to do with um the female characters and more to do with the time travel kind of stuff in it and i will be spoiling stuff in this in case you haven't seen it um there is like some screenwriting stuff in it that i'm like why did you do that because like, i'm i'm obviously a little bit kind of um obsessed with time travel stuff as we've as we've established on this podcast before i absolutely love timey-wimey stuff and when diana rigg is on screen and then we meet anya taylor joy in the 60s i and i I thought the film was telling me this from the start but i immediately went okay so diana rigg is older anya taylor joy and we'll figure out that how the stuff in the past is going to affect the present and something to do that happened in the past is going to be resolved present day I'll see how that's going to unfold. And then we meet, what's his face? Um, Terence Stamp. Terence Stamp, who I don't rate. <laughs> I don't think he's great. Um, and we meet him, and I'm like, okay, so he's going to be the future version of Matt Smith. And then there's a point in the film where, again, spoilers, where Terence Stamp's character reveals he isn't Matt Smith. He was just some random copper and then in a way that I don't know if it's supposed to be funny or not, he gets killed by a taxi, which is just a weird moment. And I was like, oh, okay. So it's it made me think, oh, those characters are going to be the future versions of, of the past. Oh, okay. But they're not. Oh, wait, no, Diana Rigg still is. So it was like he was kind of trying to pull the rug out of one thing to make me go, no, it's not what you thought it was, but it still is that thing. And my major, major, major complaint with it is that in the final act, it doesn't know what to do with Dinah Rigg. And all of a sudden she becomes... I think Dinah Rigg thought she was in like a hot fuzz comedy because she all of a sudden starts becoming stabby, stabby, crazy lady. I I did all this. I killed these men and I'm going to kill you now and I'm going to chase after you in this house, swiping a knife at you. And there's this really murky bit where the souls of the men that she's murdered ask her for help. And you're like, Edgar... Who am I supposed to be sympathising with? I don't know what this is. And then by the end, I mean, there's this whole thing where she sees... I'm doing a big old rant about this. You could, obviously, you've not interrupted for a long time. I don't know how much of this is making sense. But Tom's and Mackenzie, 
Um, she sees her mom in the mirror at the start of the film, and it's there to establish that she's already seeing ghosts or something. Like, there's something about how she's seeing the paranormal, like something like that is being established. And then by the end, the conclusion is that her mom is no longer in the mirror, but she's been replaced by Anya Taylor-Joy. And I'm like, what does that mean? What what am I supposed to be left feeling and thinking? Like, I don't understand this. this. I don't understand any of it. It just feels... It doesn't feel coherent to me, and it feels tonally like a mess. Doesn't know if it's a comedy or a horror. It never was scary. It was occasionally impressive technically, but at its core, I just felt like it was a complete miss. Okay, well, there's only one thing that I would take issue with, which is that everything you just said is totally bollocks. <laughs> 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 it's like it's like watching a monkey trying to ride a motorbike. I'm mean, Jack, Jack, Jack. Go on. It, I don't even know where to start. No, that's not fair. I think that everything that you've said is so utterly misguided that it demonstrates to me simply that films are very very films work on people in different i mean i can't even begin to have the argument with you about the individual points i love you you know i do <laughs> but i think i've I'm never interested in i've this. never heard such a bunch of absolute well i know I, I, yeah i get it you don't okay. you don't agree but no, like no, it's, it's, not but like, it's, it's, it's not just that i don't agree it's just like we it would take us a day to unpack where this is going i mean if you want to start talking about the representations of female characters you know this is co-written by christy wilson kens and i think it shows that it is written by you know it's not just edgar writing on his own i think everything about the revelations of which characters match is a perfectly sensible you're misled to think that it's Terence Stamp, that Terence Stamp don't is Matt Smith. I don't think it's clever. But it, okay. And I don't think, I, I was but, like, okay, so you, you misled okay. me to what end? Because it's a plot twist and yeah, but because the whole what? film has... Other the, than just having a plot twist. Because, for what? Why does it matter that he was that cop? Why does it matter? And and I just feel like this is like yeah. So the so the monkeys look at the the, the block and then they're in space and then no he's no, a no, star no, child. no 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 because all that what? is to do with the the, the guiding of what? you know what two thousand one is about you know why these things are happening you know why it feels like when they when there's something unnatural okay. in front of the monkeys they want to touch it like that all well, actually Jack, is so, about but something. But, 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 so when you say you know he doesn't do the whip pans on the beer no because he's not making hot fuzz because you, but, this is, but why you know, show this, why this show is, someone why is, waste time showing someone pouring beer then if so it's your, like why your Edgar point is why it felt like pulling honest, a pint. do you know what like it felt like it's like someone doing an impression of Edgar Wright go, you know you haven't seen Bad Boys too. No, I mean, which one no, you watch no, I don't first? want that either. I no, I don't want that. I can tell he doesn't want to do that, but I'm still like, so why are you like that? To me, is just an example of like, so why th- are you still okay. doing that? Here's here's what I think. Seriously, to 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 you know, I mean, obviously, there's a there's two things going on here. One of them is that I I we don't have the time sure. to to unpack. I mean, I did and I did in my I did allow you to do the full. This you is did. what I think, for, and I think that you're completely wrong, but. This is obviously subjective, and there will be people listening who completely agree with you because I know that there are people who don't like Last Night in Soho. Okay, that, and that's fine. What I, the only thing I'd say is, I think that one of the things with Last Night in Soho is you either go with it or you don't, and I think the difference between you and me is that I went with it and you didn't, 
And I think as soon as you get to the, I'm not going with this. And this is true of almost any movie. I mean, I'll do it myself. Watch this, okay? The Exorcist. Mm. What on earth is going on? Right, firstly, they're in that house. Why are they in that house where everybody out on the street can hear absolutely everything and the room is shaking and the lights are flashing and nobody out on the street goes, my God, it sounds like there's a nuclear bomb going off in that room. Point number one. Point number two. Uh, Burke Dennings falls out of the window and goes down the thing and the detective turns up and he goes, well, he might have been murdered, but he might not have been. I'll just leave you alone. Point number three. Why this girl? Why this girl? What? What? A? What? The thing in Iraq? What? Why? What's the... And he's... What's all that about? Point number four. Damien Karras is in New York one minute and then he's... I mean, I can do this with the point is you can do it with anything right if you chose yeah but if you choose to do, i'm i'm I, not I, I get i get what you're i get what you're getting at but i i also i know obviously you don't believe that about the exorcist because no but what i'm but saying what I'm, i know you're i know you're sort of sub, i know what you're doing but what i mean is <laughs> I know that what i know what you're doing but this feels but almost the, like having the, a tiff and I, and I don't I want know, it to i don't want it to feel like that you, no no you, i don't feel like that at all what i what i hear when you're doing the exorcist thing is though it's the same as when you did the 2001 which was which was less funny because yeah, it but, worked, but worked like, less well. But like when I hear your like fake complaints about The Exorcist, mm. all I want to do is jump in and go, no, but you know, you and like and I can give you like actual like concrete answers as to why those things yeah. work. Uh, yeah. Whereas in Last Night in Soho, please, like for one of them, do tell me why, to what end, other than just because we want a plot twist, why is it a good idea? Why is it satisfying because, to, okay. to twist that Terence Stamp isn't Matt Smith, but okay. he's just some random cop? Okay. Why is that a good twist? Okay, uh, to, answer, if, if, to answer that specific point, because one of the, the pleasures of you know, ghost stories and murder mysteries is the joy of misdirection. The fact that you think that... You, I mean, this is true of... It's like you know any Agatha Christie or any, any thriller plot is the thrill of misdirection. So one of the... One of the one of the things that people always say that is annoying about Agatha Christie, and actually it's not true of Agatha Christie, is you have a murder mystery, and there's a bunch of people who might have done it, a bunch of people who might have done it. And in the last minute, somebody says, "Oh, it was the doctor." Who? This character that wasn't you know suddenly pulled in. No, there is a, a a sleight of hand involved in that particular narrative conceit in Last Night in Soho, which, with all due respect, when you say Terence Stamp, he's not up to much his yeah. career would say otherwise sure i just don't i'm not a fan that's fine it, that's fine you know <laughs> that's a separate point it's, it's a separate point the point is that it's using the quality that terence stamp has of being like a sleazy yep. you know kind of slightly paul raymond slightly so you got oh i know i've figured this out i figured out that he's that guy yeah and the movie then takes that pleasure yep. in you because it's making sense that way and then when the realisation comes that it's not him, it strengthens the idea that she has descended into insanity. Because what she thinks is that she's... Because all the way, the, the actual central story of it, quite apart from the, the time travel thing, which is Peeping Tom's Midnight Garden, quite apart from all that, the central thing is, is she going mad or is she time slipping? And I think that what the, the Terence Stamp revelation is the... Oh, I have gone mad. I have literally 
got the whole story wrong. And the, and the clever thing about it is, is that the audience thought the same thing. We all thought it was him as well. And then she says, he was not, he was a copper. And then, the, so the point is, it's Thomas and Mackenzie's character has been pushed to do this thing. And it's, oh, she's going mad. And right from the beginning, the thing underlying all of it is all of this is in your head. Now, we know it's not in her head because we've been watching the film, but we've been watching the film from her perspective. Beyond that, I think that when you talk about the, <clears throat> the pints thing, I've always thought that Edgar Wright's movies have always bordered on being musicals. So Scott Pilgrim is obviously is a musical, but yep. even the sh -sh -sh -sh, that's like a Strictly Come Dancing dance there's, a, there's a rhythm to his films. Exactly. That's really and in Last musical. Night in Soho, it becomes a musical. Yeah. It literally, there are dance numbers and there are very, mm -hmm. that choreographed dance number where Brilliant. it's one of them and then it's the other one and then it's one of them and, and it's the other and one. And, it's, and it's, there's it's only the, one edit in it as well. And, like, and the rest and of it is just, it's brilliant choreography. It's take, fantastic. And I take joy in that and I love the locations and I love the, you scratch the surface of, of, the, of the 60s and it's it's pretty grim mm -hmm. underneath. And I think there I like is, the, I like the thematically the idea of like reanalyzing your... Um, affection for nostalgia i think that's especially for edgar wright who we know often looks back yeah yeah yeah. i think that that is something that's very very strong in it as well yeah. i think there's just some things in it and i and i i hear your explanation of like you know the joy of the twist and the, and the misdirection but i always find that if it's misdirection for misdirection misdirection's sake and there's there's not a conclusion to it that feels like ah we're leading it in a different direction yeah. it feels shallow to me okay and it, and it feels literally that i can see the pieces being moving it's like she gets really angry in the pub as a go at him he says no it's not what you think and then they literally take him off the board they kill him to be like he's not important anymore well he only goes it's not what you think after they only find that out after he's been hit by the cab and also jack saying and then he gets hit by a cab yeah that's you know that's like that's like saying whatever that for the em force thing is and then a bookshelf falls on him yeah but it's but that's what happens or you know and then he drowns under the ice yeah that's a perfectly workable problem okay so here's what i'm going to do i mean obviously we're not going to agree on this but in to make my point i'm going to tell you what my number five is Go on. okay my number five is cry macho which, which, is, which is a rubbish late period Clint Eastwood film, okay? In which Clint Eastwood is this old bloke who gets sent by his boss to go to Mexico to retrieve his son. And he goes to Mexico and every woman he meets falls in love with him and tries to have it off with him because was it, he's... Was it written by Clint because Eastwood? Because he's Clint Eastwood. No, it's not. It's a, right. it's a, but it's a, it's a script that, was in, that, that has been knocking around for ages. I mean, there were, there were various incarnations of this. So it's written by Nick Schenk, it's from the short story or book by M. Richard Nash. Is it? Let me see. It's a screenplay by Nick and the late Richard Nash, based on Nash's novel. So Nash wrote it as a screenplay, and the novel became, then the, the screenplay became a novel. It's been around for ages. And it's just a bunch of Clint Eastwood cliches. And the worst cliches are that wherever he goes, people look at him and go, hmm. Bit nice. And you, exactly. And you go, I'm sorry. This is, is there no part of you directing this that thinks I don't think I can pull this off yeah, actually? Yeah. And then they go to this kind of picture postcard, you know, cantina town where there's a woman running a cantina who oh she takes one look at him, she offers him food and blah 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 blah. And then this and it's just it's just cliched and boring and terrible. And a lot of people went, oh well, you know, good old Clint doing the stuff that Clint Eastwood is like. Uh, yeah, no, I thought it was just absolutely laughable. Now, I would say that. On the one hand, there's Cry Macho, which is a film which isn't trying to do anything at all. The only reason that, 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 that Cry Macho has any validity is, hey, look, 
you can still be making movies at that age. Sure. Hey, huzzah. Hey, Clint Eastwood's still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yes, look, and he's, <laughs> and he's still sexy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's still, Sexier than ever. He's still got it. So, look, and that know. is a that is a a better hard bad film pick. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about last night in Soho because I. No, that's fine, yeah. and you know, and 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 we, and we can still be friends. Even. Good. Back when we had winners, I was afraid to lose you to the competition. Five times you won the All American. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was before the accident, before the booze. You know how many people told me to just cut you loose? You gonna say anything, Howard? I've always thought of you as a small, weak, and gutless man. But you know, there's no reason to be rude. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Number four. Number four. House of Gucci. Oh, okay, fine. Okay, yeah. you, 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 controversial picks, but okay, fine. <laughs> House of Gucci's bad. Come on, <laughs> okay. it's a me, I'm, Jared Leto. No, 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 don't listen. Don't. Uh, yes, I think you and I can absolutely agree. Why that, is Jared Leto doing an impression of Mario? Why, why is, is he doing that? Why is Jared Leto doing an impression of an Italian whale? <laughs> he literally goes, "Hey, oh, I'm Paolo." And then I hear like these read these interviews with him where he was like talking about how he was ingraining himself in Italian culture and like, if, you, if you if you cut my if you if you, if you cut my skin it will be parmesan cheese like saying all this bullshit stuff yeah it's me Jared Leto that's right that I don't have much to say about it other than the fact that like if if the cast wasn't as good as Adam Driver and as Lady Gaga is and her accent's all over the place sometimes she sounds a bit Russian but like if they weren't as compelling as they are as performers because Adam Driver is just brilliant if you didn't have them, you wouldn't have anything in this. Like it just—it's such a mess. <laughs> it's such a mess, and it's boring. And the conceit of the film is that the true story is that Lady Gaga's character had Adam Driver's character murdered, and that feels like it's just like an afterthought in the film. It's like the last twenty minutes. The the conversation that she has with the potential uh, people who are going to do the job—it feels like a bad version of something out of I Tonya, and it feels like. It's just like dull. It's just, it's, it's just, it's. Just, are you gonna do that? We're we gonna do and and yeah, I suppose. And then it just happens. And it's just, it feels like it's not ingrained into the film at all. It feels like most of it is just like events, stuff happening. And I just found myself being like, this is boring. This is so boring. Okay, it, the, the two two things. Firstly, it should be said that um, 
that she now, you know, she's out now. And she was interviewed after she was out. And she was asked, you know, why did you get somebody else to do it? You know, because she now says that she didn't. You know, she's mm. And she said, why did you get somebody else to do it? And she said, because my eyesight's very poor. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I didn't think it was boring. I enjoyed it. I thought it was preposterous tosh. Yeah, it is. That's, um, that's a brilliant description of it. But I, I thought Jared Leto needed to be just taken out and spoken to very firmly. He has be- He has actually become like the the harbinger of cringe in everything. Really I, I cannot remember the last time I saw him on screen and didn't want to pull my eyes out. I think I don't know if we've said this before, but my favourite performance from Jared Leto is in Fight Club simply because he gets his face pummeled in. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he was in Fight Club. I mean, I've, you know, I've forgotten the early films before he became yeah. Jared Leto. The, before... the, the, the method actor Jared Leto. Yeah, the, oh, you know, hey, we're all working on this film and, and oh, someone sent me a dead rat in the post. Yeah. It wasn't me. Yeah. It wasn't me. It was Joker because I'm in character. Goes, Shut up, you stupid actor. Yeah. You yeah. stupid actor with your actory actor makeup. You could just imagine him. You know, hey, Ridley, I'd really like to do this role. I think I should, you know, I, I told, have you ever seen a picture of the actual guy he's playing? He looks, looks like a normal guy. He looks like a normal guy. It's like, it's like, it's like you know, it's like, you know, he's got he's got the fat suit, and he's got the slappy thing, and he's got the coming. Mean, he looks like a character from Little Britain, except <laughs> really ex, except it's Italian. But and I, he might get nominated for an award. Well, he hasn't been nominated for a Golden Globe. I mean, here's the most brilliant thing. Isn't it great that the Golden Globes happened and nobody noticed? Yeah, no one cares. No one noticed. It's yeah. like, you know, nomination. No one cares. It's um, like there's a trailer out now for the for the next Game of Thrones spin-off series and nobody cares. Nobody's, <laughs> everyone's just dropped it. Everyone's been like, yeah, well, you messed it up. So, yeah. But, th- I mean, I... I kind of enjoyed House of Gucci because I thought it kind of romped along and it was ripe and it was a kind of, you know, modern... Very soundtracky. Very soundtracky. Simon Mayo is very put out by the fact that, that he walks up the aisle to, to Faith, which is the wrong decade, because right. it's the 70s, not the 80s. Mm-hmm. But I kind of, you know, I did enjoy it. I liked Adam Driver. I thought um, Lady Gaga was fun and, you know, she enjoyed the ride. I know she said that she absolutely sunk herself into the character, but it's like, you, you, there's not, it's a surface thing. Yeah. The whole thing is is surface, although maybe that's appropriate. I did think, you know, hats off to Jared Leto for making us think that Al Pacino was underacting. I mean, that's, that's a real You know what, actually, that is a positive. I think Al Pacino is brilliant in it. Like, he is pretty great. Like, you watch it and just go, yeah, Al Pacino is always good. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that he is underacting. But Jared Leto, Jared Leto, honestly, it's like, you just want to go, Jared, just stop. Do you know what film you're in? Yeah, well, do, do you care what film you're in? Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. You have a gift, I'm telling you. Oh, stop. Stop, you're going to make me. You're going to make me cry. Nobody has ever said that to me. Nobody. Paolo, why don't you have your own line? These are just mock-ups. I can't afford to get serious. With your gift and your talent and your vision. Are you kidding? Gucci needs no blood. Goodbye, 1930s. Hello, 80s. Huh? Oh, you took the words right out of my guts. Hello, Gucci, Okay, all right. Well, I'll give you. I mean, I think it's trashy and nonsense. I I quite like it, but I you know I'll I'll allow you to have it. I'm going to have it number four, and I kind of regret this to some extent. Silent Night. A Silent Night only came out a couple of weeks ago, and it's um, it's a, a. I don't know. Hang on, hang on. I don't know what it is, so I'm going to try and guess. Is it a horror film? 
a yes, but you don't know that it is at the beginning. Okay. So a Christmas horror film. Yes, a Christmas horror film. So from on the basis of the title, Silent Night. Tell me what the film is. Silent Night. Okay, so it's going to be about uh, <laughs> uh, some sort of Christmas ghoul that lives in the chimney. It's going to be like oh, it's going to be like Santa if he was evil. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Although you know, so what you're Jesus it, is evil. It should be. It, it should be like Silent Night, Deadly Night, or one of those. No, the, the, it's it's written and directed by Camille Griffin, and the and it's an interesting idea. So the story is a bunch of really irritating poshos descend on a posho country house where they're all going to have Christmas together, but something is wrong, and you can't quite figure out what the something that is wrong is. But they're all being very annoying, very annoying, very annoying, and it turns out that the end of the world is coming. There is a cloud of gas that's going to kill everyone, and they've all been given suicide pills that the children have to take. Jesus, so that's not at all what I thought it was going to be. No. And so, you what? When the first time I watched it, it just wrong. I was just I had no idea what I was watching at all. So it starts off Michael Bublé, literally Michael Bublé in Christmas jumpers, and then everyone's going to hell. And I really didn't like it because it was. I'm sorry, you uh, what? Uh, pardon. Then I watched the trailer, and then I watched the film again, slightly more prime where I was, and I kept thinking why. Why am I disliking this film so much? Mm. Because actually, this the, the idea is quite interesting. The idea is, you know, love actually goes to hell, but, and it's Kira Knightley. So the the love actually connection is there as well. And I think the problem is, it's an interesting idea that absolutely fails on every level. Right. So you, it's not that you don't like the characters; it's that you don't believe the characters. It's not that you don't find yourself fascinated by the end of the world suicide pill scenario. It's that you don't believe it for one moment. And it's one of the it's one of the ones that I have kind of regret having in my list because I wish I liked it more than I yeah. do because it's, those are always the is, worst ones though. Yeah, where you're like, this I is, want to like this exactly, but this is not unlike you and last night in Soho. Mm. I wish that I could say, you know, this is a really interesting because I like dark Christmas movies. You know, I mean, I've always thought that thing, you know, the the joke in Ernest Saves Christmas about the movie called, you know, Christmas Slay, S-L-A-Y, of which the tagline is, he knows if you've been bad or good and he's got an axe. Yeah. You know, which I've <laughs> Great always tagline. Exactly. So Silent Night sounds like, you know, we'll take this, you know, this the cast is Kira Knightley, Matthew Good, Roman Griffin Davis from, from Jojo Rabbit, which I'm not a fan of. Um, you know, I mean, it's a good cast, mm. Lucy Punch. And then it's the end of the world and they're all going to have to die. And and there's a lot of stuff about suicide pills. And But then there's funny stuff going on and none of it's working. And I and it, I've, I struggle to remember a time that I have seen a film fail so badly. And yet I've got a sneaking admiration for it. And I wouldn't put it past Camille Griffin, who is the writer and director, to make a really interesting film next that makes me go, oh, okay. There because, we go. <laughs> exactly. It makes me go, there we go. Mm -hmm. But right now, this is number four on my worst of the year list. You look perfect. Fly! Did you bleed on the carrots? Will I die? Yep, probably. Hurrah! Happy Christmas. You're still alive? Yes, I think so. Jesus, they're early. Ah! Tony and Simon robbed the petrol station. Oh, what fun. We make tremendous criminals. I felt so good. We're all getting old. Well, we were getting old. It's just one potato each. Just one for everyone. 
Did anyone watch the Queen's speech? Well, she's clearly in some bunker set up, you know, filled with tins of baked beans and dog food. <laughs> Here's to the lives that we've shared. <laughs> to our beautiful children. Our beautiful friends. May we rest in peace. My number three is Fast and Furious 9. Okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, I don't really know. I, just, I don't need to say much more. Is it the ninth? Was it nine? Yeah, I think it is. Do you know because... what it's about? Fairly. <laughs> the movies. Yeah, no, it's about fairly. Yeah, yeah. And you go, they no, it's not. It's, it's, it's about putting a rocket on a car and firing it at the moon. And that, I mean, <laughs> they, I, we spoke about this halfway through the year as well. They, they sent a car to, sm- uh, to space and made it boring. <laughs> I, is it, I mean, isn't that just, that just sums it up. <laughs> For me, I don't even need to say much more than that. Yeah. yeah, but they sent a car to space and made it boring. But every now and then, somebody went, "You know what this is about? It's about family." <laughs> Spelt F A M B L E E. Family. <laughs> Who was looking after Vin Diesel's kid that whole time? Yeah. Well, where was the kid? <laughs> Just in the bunker, Dad. <laughs> You're coming back. I care about family. Yeah. Or my son. Hey, Vin, I don't know whether you remember, but your family is... <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's rubbish. You're quite right. It is a film that sends a car into space but makes it boring. Yep. And, yeah, it's it's just... Oh, they did that. And Vin Diesel recently was doing some tweeting or Instagramming or something, like doing a public sort of uh, ask for The Rock to come back for Fast and Furious 10. He's like, come on, finish what you started. Like... Go back to the family. <laughs> like, and I, I don't know if he's going to. He didn't. There was no response. It was just one of those things that felt like, oh, Vin Diesel's put it. Oh, oh it's, this is dead. This is dead. Um, no one's responding. Okay. Well, look. Um, obviously, half of that podcast was about last night in Soho. <laughs> and um, uh, but- I want to just reiterate. I don't think it's a bad film, and I do not think that Edgar Wright is a bad filmmaker. I just struggled with it. I just want to make that abundantly clear. And I want to make abundantly clear that despite the fact that we have what sound like very sparky disagreements, we are very good friends. Based in love. Based in love. It's because you know what it's about, Jack? Family. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks for having this podcast. Next, we're going to do number three to number one in our favourite films of 2021. See you next time. Well, we won't see you. No, we'll, we'll, You'll we'll, hear we'll, us. We'll see you with your ears. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work. Does it? Actually, sounded really creepy. <laughs> Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.